Father in heaven, please bless Psalm 114, just a very short one this morning, all of eight verses, a great one, looking at the history of Israel, a wonderful nation, and the word of God says we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, so we pray for them this morning, in fact I believe today is Yom Kippur in uh, Israel, the uh, day of atonement, so we pray for all of these saved people in Israel, Jew and Gentile, that will be breaking bread this morning, and uh, worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray for the Jews that are not yet saved, to get saved and we also pray for those that are faith faithfully on the streets of israel today there are two teams i believe in israel right now from the us and from the uk we pray for their safety and for their success lord god bless this psalm please fill us with the spirits be with us now in jesus name amen and amen, amen. so psalm 114 will be week 180 hour 124 and 15 minutes Psalm 114, let's look at verse 1 if we may. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of a strange language, Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. So the picture here will be of the Jews in captivity in Egypt and the distance from Egypt to Israel is 470 miles and of course to travel on foot would take a good amount of time and the Jews were slaves in Egypt for 400 plus years when Israel went out of Egypt there's your exodus the house of Jacob from a people of strange language not only were the cultures different but the languages as well and uh, put yourself in the shoes of the Jews it's always worth doing this just for a few moments to appreciate to uh, empathize what it must have been like for them they are hundreds of miles away from home exposed to idolatry a foreign language and all the other sins and uh, tirades that they were exposed to homesick would be the word that comes to my mind and it says here judah was his sanctuary and israel his dominion many miles away from home anybody thought would we ever escape and of course they did two days ago we were on the streets in a city not far from here uh, battling a group of Muslims mostly young students but it was a great witness and uh, this chap was talking to Patrick to the left of me I didn't hear about it until after the uh, confrontation <laughs> was over about a 50 minute confrontation and this uh, chap was saying to Patrick he'd been in Albania he was a prisoner in Albania British guy and he was smuggling Bibles into Albania during the bad old days spent 11 years in prison for his troubles and I thought what a remarkable story about 70 now I think when I was told I thought he served his dues he served his dues uh, and he would have been experiencing a foreign tongue the Albanian tongue Slovak tongue but he came through it and according to Patrick he had a you know, good demeanor about him when Israel went out of Egypt the house of Jacob from a people of strange language Egyptian Hebrew Egyptian Aramaic uh, of course in Egypt today they speak Arabic whereas in Israel they speak Hebrew or Yiddish Judah was his sanctuary going back to the uh, the uh, capital of Jerusalem of course Jerusalem comes under Judah's jurisdiction and Israel his dominion the sea saw it and fled Jordan was driven back go to the book of Exodus please Exodus chapter 14 and uh, in Exodus chapter 14 let's pick it up if we may in verse 15 and the Lord said unto Moses 
Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Paul says, look forward. Don't look back. Keep pushing on. Preach the gospel. Push forward. But lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea. First mention. And divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground to the midst of the sea. Second mention. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. And they shall follow them, being the Jews. And I will get me honour upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Just a quick footnote. If you, if you read this passage in conjunction with the book of uh, Romans, you're told that the Lord would harden Pharaoh's hearts and how Pharaoh would also harden his own heart. It wasn't just a one-way uh, picture. The Lord and Pharaoh were both hardening their hearts at the same time. And I say that because Calvinists sometimes like to misquote that passage. But uh, Pharaoh was also hardening his own heart. 18. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, Alpha and Omega. When I have gotten me honour upon Pharaoh. That's the whole point to this conflict. Upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Several thousand, just for the record. And the angel of God, probably a Christophany, the Lord Jesus Christ, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. There's no uh, union between darkness and light, good and evil. 22. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Third mention. And the Lord caused the sea, fourth mention, to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea, fourth, or made that fifth mention, dry land. And the waters were divided. Water, sea, sea waters, back and forth. It goes back to sea, tied in with creation. It goes back to our new births, tied in, not with literal water, but spiritual water. And here, this is the great exodus the great accounts of what took place way back in the Old Testament. And the waters were divided, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. They're going straight through the middle. Waters are sky high on both sides of the spectrum. And of course Moses, type of Messiah, is leading the church, which it was in the Old Testament in uh, in type of course and the Egyptians pursued verse 23 I went in after them to the midst of the sea even all Pharaoh's horses his chariots and his horsemen and they are still in the sea to this day they were found many years ago and anybody who's ever studied archaeology knows that there's a lot of good material when it goes or when it comes to Israel's history it may have been about 35 years ago I'll get back to this text quickly or shortly they found an old tablet from Sodom of all places and somebody in Sodom owed somebody else in Sodom some money and for years the atheists the mockers were scoffing the story about Sodom and Gomorrah until surprise surprise they found an old tablet going way back to the book of Genesis so if you don't know much about archaeology take the time out to study it 24 and it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily 
so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. What a sobering thought. You've got the Egyptians, polytheist, pantheist, pagan, and they know that their battle is lost. They know that Jehovah is fighting for the Jews, and there's no way that they can beat Almighty God. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So again, sea, water is used in reference to creation. John chapter 3, water is used figuratively in reference to our salvation. We get baptized to prove an inward work. We don't get baptized to uh, get saved or even to prove salvation. Although many times we can do that to show people what it's like to be saved. But we got baptized to express what took place inwardly. And here water is being used in a judgmental sense. This is the baptism of water that Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. A baptism of destruction, a baptism of death. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea. Take control of the situation, Moses. You are my anointed, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. A complete wipeout. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fed against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them, and also Pharaoh was wiped out. Some years ago I went to Cairo, and we were shown around the museum, and amazing place to see i must admit and uh, i was able to go into the pyramids as well what incredible uh, experience that was and uh, as we were being shown around the cairo museum and i suggest students of scripture go if you can do so and spend a day or two looking around you think the british museum is something spectacular that really is but go to the cairo museum wow and i said to the uh, the uh, the tour guide i said uh, incidentally <laughs> there's 15 pharaohs and i think there's only 14 here where is number 15 and she said we don't know i said well, i know where he is he's in the sea and of course i gave the text from uh, exodus 14 and 15 uh, 29 but the children of israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. So four and a half, five million Jews walked through this uh, this incident, the the, uh, the Red Sea, of course. And I got a quote in an article somewhere about an Egyptian, make that an Israeli scientist who actually did a piece on this miracle. He wrote an article about this about 15 or 20 years ago. I think he said it took 14 hours for four and a half million people to walk through uh, this uh, Red Sea, walk through the Red Sea, and uh, he goes into great detail about the spin, the uh, the uh, the speed of the the uh, speed of the waves, and the way that the Lord operated, and how He used nature to do something which, of course, is outside of nature. If I find it, I'll link it uh, to this recording after this live stream has finished. Thirty. Thus the Lord saved. Uh, thus the Lord saved. Uh, excuse me. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. 
And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord, number one, and believed the Lord, number two, and his servant Moses, number three. That's the whole purpose of miracles. That's why Jesus did so many miracles. Go back to Psalm 114. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, still is to this day, Judah was his sanctuary, historically speaking, and Israel his dominion. So for a period of time, uh, they are out of the will of God. Of course, they don't uh, claim the land until the days of Joshua. Picture of Jesus at the second advent when he comes back to the Mount of Olives and uh, conquers Israel. And we rule and reign for a thousand years. That ends the Gentile dominion, which has been in place since the days of Nebuchadnezzar. And even as of now, Israel is still surrounded by Gentile nations and even Jerusalem itself. It's a city divided into three quarters or three parts. But even to this day, there's still a lot of Gentiles in and around Jerusalem. And they have equal opportunities to the Jews. But during the thousand year reign, there'll be no Gentile presence, just God's people. Going back to what Paul says in Corinthians, there's neither, uh, there's, excuse me, there's, there's, there's only Jew gentile in the church of course in christ there's neither jew nor gentile you understand but there's three groups of people for today jew gentile and the church and during the thousand year reign only the lord's people will be in and around jerusalem outside of either nations uh, go to the book of joshua to get some more uh, background to this so that's the first time that water was used to rescue and redeem the jews and like I say, water is tied in with creation in the book of Genesis. And it's used figuratively in John chapter 3 in reference to your new birth. And you should be baptized if you are saved, but it won't save you. But you should be baptized to show others that you have believed and you've been regenerated. So Joshua chapter 3, 40 years later, we read about another miracle concerning water. Joshua 3, let's pick it up in verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shechem and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days, keep that in mind, that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenants of the Lord your God, type of Jesus Christ, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, type of the church, then you shall remove uh, from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. That's 3,000 feet. Because, of course, God is holy. You can't just approach him without a blood atonement. And that's why the priests, not the people, carry the Ark of the Covenant. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. For ye have not passed this way hitherto for up until now. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, after the third day, found in verse 2, the Lord will do wonders among you, which in the uh, context will be uh, the feast of Pentecost, which came after the resurrection of the church, 50 days after Christ went back to heaven, and uh, signs and wonders were poured on the church. Uh, verse 6, And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenants, and pass, over, um, and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenants and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day 
will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel. This is my beloved son, hear ye him, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. Again, types and shadows, you can't miss it. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, when you come, in, uh, when you come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still at Jordan. Stay put, stand still, you have arrived. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. If you love me, keep my words. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you. Thou art the Son of the living God, is what Simon Peter would say, and that he will not without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, number one, and the Hittites, number two, and the Hivites, number three, and the Perizzites, number four, and the Girgashites, number five, and the Amorites, number six, and the Jebusites, and the Jebusites, number seven. Seven Gentile nations just wiped out, just eradicated from the face of the earth. Talk about a complete wipeout. Behold, the Ark of the Covenants of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. This is where we get the uh, repeated belief in Scripture and the repeated fact that the Jews are the chosen people, and they are. But unfortunately, they are in Israel today as a lost people. They are completely blinded. Read about that in 2 Corinthians 12. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, type of the apostles, out of every man and tribe. You can't miss the similarities, types and shadows. 13. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon and heap. You walk by faith, not by sight. So go in, Joshua and Co., and claim the land. And for today, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. We pray and hope that we are in the will of God. 14. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark will come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks at the time of harvest, his banks in the masculine, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very uh, upon a heap very far from the city of Adam that is beside Zeratun and those that came down toward the sea of the plain even the salt sea failed and were cut off and the people passed over right against Jericho this is the second time like I say the Lord has saved Israel using water if you will it's a type of Noah going through the great flood 17 and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan picture standing in the rock of all ages and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan go back to Psalm 114 so this book is loaded with miracles like you couldn't possibly imagine when people say all the holy books are the same they are deceiving themselves it may have been two nights ago we got back from an outreach in the north of England like I say and I post a video shortly it was a real firebrand of an outreach <laughs> surrounded by about six or seven young Islamic students just firing questions at me and vice versa and I said uh, incidentally I've just started read, to read the Quran and uh, as of last night I got up to let me see now uh, Surah uh, Surah 218 and I'm 20 pages into this book and I've counted about 50 verses which they have stolen mm -hmm. from my Bible plagiarized from my Bible 
and I'll say this very briefly that the Quran is a very dry book but not only that it's it's filled with bullet points I mean I'm reading the book of Jasher Jasher at the same time and Jasher is found in the book of Joshua and I think second uh, Samuel Jasher is a summary of the Old Testament it's not a bad read but it's not scripture my spirit you know told me straight away it's not scripture and the Quran it's a historical book, but it's not scripture. It's a very, how can I put it? It's, it's a poor attempt to create a new Bible, if you will. And I will finish this book of 392 pages. And I might do an article, a book, or even a video, or perhaps all three uh, discussing it. But in the Bible, which is my book, you've got so many stories like this, which always whet our appetites and give us a real desire to go deeper. Psalm 114 look at verse 4 the mountains skip like rams and the little hills like lambs go back to Exodus please chapter 19 Exodus 19 the devil's very jealous you know of the Bible I saw a clip online last night of uh, Jordan Peterson a very intelligent uh, expert a psychologist from Canada not a believer but he's friends with christianity if you will and he said that he got ai to write a book or write a document using taoism with the king james bible this is quite scary and he said it was a remarkable job what it did i thought yeah i bet it was mm. and it took the king james bible 778,000 words and took the taoist so-called holy writings mixed them all together like a salad dish and it produced some incredible writing that's the power of ai in this world because the bible is a book of all books and that's why this book uh, gets attacked but at the same time this book can also help and heal uh, wounded soldiers in the lord jesus christ what did i say exodus 19 exodus 19 and uh, look at verse 18 and mount sinai was altogether on a smoke burning because the lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly the mountain is like rocking it's on fire but not really on fire you find that in exodus chapter 3 the burning bush which doesn't burn up pitch of hell fire of a lost soul in hell burning but never burning up the mountain skipped like rams and the little hills like lambs a bit of figurative language thrown in but we get the the uh, the symbology of this uh, verse 5 what ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back? In ancient times, the pagans would worship the god of the sea, uh, the god of the air, the god of the hills, the uh, god of this, the god of that. You find that in the book of Jonah, I think from memory, the mariners that were trying to get from A to B, going from Israel to Spain, from memory, I believe the god that they worshipped was the sea god. And that's why the Lord took that uh, incident and turned it into a great story of Jonah being swallowed by a great fish, which happened literally, and he uh, was resurrected literally. And just for the record, if you think that's a strange story, there are accounts of people surviving in fishes for two, three, even four days. I've got a book in my on my bookshelf written by an archaeologist, a Victor Pierce. And he's got about four or five accounts of people that have actually survived being in, in sharks and even whales. 
and they've lived to tell the story. So again, don't don't uh, make don't uh, mock the story of Jonah and the whale too quickly. Don't turn your nose up at it. Don't be so in, so intolerant or so quick to dismiss it. Verse six: Ye mountains, that ye skip like rams, and ye little hills like lambs. So you've got C in verse five, mountains in verse six. What is what is the Lord telling us? He's telling us that He is the Lord of the sea and also the mountains, the high places, the low places. That's why in the Old Testament it says he was a good God but didn't take down the high places. Uh, he was a bad God, he kept the high places. Solomon was a good God but he kept the high places. The high places were, uh, they, had, they had groves and they had idols and images and statues and pillars and they're worshiping the God of uh, the God of the heights, the God of nature basically. And that's why the Lord had a real problem with the high places. Of course, Christ would preach on the mounts of olives and uh, preach here and there in high places. So preaching at a high spot isn't the issue. But in biblical times, it was always tied in with pagan worship. It was tied in with getting closer to nature, which is what you find all around us today. The return to uh, Mother Earth, so on and so forth. And when Christ came, that was completely done away with, well, of course, Look at verse 7. Tremble, thou earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. Go to the book of uh, Isaiah. And I'll tell you something. We've got a couple of banners at our ministry. We've got one that's very innocuous. And we've got one which is pretty uh, confrontational. And I've found over the years that our uh, innocuous one, uh, what did I say, Isaiah, uh, Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever really does upset people in ways that you wouldn't think it would do we got one which says except you repent you all likewise perish and uh, it's got flames of fire and uh, it's double-sided of course and you would have thought they go crazy when they see that but they don't they walk straight past it yeah. I know why because Jesus the name of Jesus Christ is not on it But the name of Jesus Christ is held up high for the world to see. They can't stand it. They really just despise it. And we've had some great conversations over the last 20 years with that very simple scripture, which isn't particularly evangelistic, but it does the job. Yeah. We've had Jews come over to us, Gentiles mostly, but I've noticed last couple of times we've gone to an Islamic town, they can't help but come over. Yeah and get in our faces which is We're fine it. yeah it's like a, it's like a sale yeah isaiah 66 last chapter of the book of isaiah isaiah 66 and uh, let's see now look at verse verse 2 for all those things hath mine hand made going back to uh, the creator over the creation going back to the creator is worthy of worship of the creation and all those things have been saith the lord but to this man will i look now watch it even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit that's what the lord is really interested in not how educated you are how smart you are comma and trembleth at my word and here's the reality of the fact that most people don't tremble at the word of the Lord. They're too busy correcting it. In their schools and uh, seminaries. Go to James chapter 2 please. 
Now, there's no doubt about it, just for the record, that Christians have a lot, of, have a lot in common with Muslims and the Jews. We are all monotheist. And uh, they accept Abraham as a prophet, as do the Jews. And Solomon as a prophet, as do the Jews. But unfortunately, when they get to Jesus, it all goes pear-shaped. It all goes rather sour quite simply in fact last night it says in the quran that the holy spirit is gabriel would you believe and of course gabriel was a created uh, was a created angel he stands in the presence of god almighty but he's not god almighty he's just an angel so already they got the wrong idea of who and what god is but i'll discuss that more at a future date james chapter 2 and look at verse 19 thou believest that there is one god the jews the muslims christendom they will believe that. Let's all hold hands and get along. They'll do as well. But watch it. The devils also believe and tremble. That's a problem. And that's why you have to go beyond just having a head knowledge. Your heart has to be circumcised. Go back to Psalm 114. That's where the new birth comes in. Which 90% of Christendom have no idea what you're talking about. And that's why it's always good to share your testimony. Number one. And explain the new birth number two. Take them over to John chapter three. If they will give you the time. And explain it to them. Uh, verse seven again. Tremble thou earth. Aha. Uh -huh. So it's now the earth. At the presence of the Lord. Which will take place at the second advent. At the presence of the God of Jacob. Not of the church. This is very Jewish. Which turned the rock into a standing water. The flint into a fountain of waters. Go back to Exodus, please. I think 75% of the body is water. And about 80% of the world is also water. You can survive without food for a period of time, but you can't without water. You will just uh, perish without water. Exodus uh, 17, a verse... 5 17:5 And the Lord said unto Moses go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river take in thine hand and go behold I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb and thou shalt smite the rock and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink and Moses did so in the sights and Moses did so in the sights of the elders of Israel. Yet another incredible miracle. Go to uh, Numbers chapter 20 please. Numbers chapter 20. And God bless all of you that are listening live in the US at the moment. And Australasia. I know it's a different time zone for you. So bless you all. And uh, pray for us as we pray for you. And I want a uh, book of numbers, I think. Uh, let's see now, numbers. Yeah, I want numbers chapter 20, please. Numbers chapter 20. And uh, there's two incidents which are very similar in scripture. The first time Moses was, Moses was told to smite the rock, which he did. And the water came out straightforward, but a second time, it's a different outcome. Numbers chapter 
20, please. And let's pick it up in verse 7. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, type of the church for the Old Testament, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. You can't speak to a rock, but here the rock is a type of a person. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and the beasts together, excuse me, and give their congregation and their beasts drink. Now rock produces tapes, and in the old days we had cassette tapes, not so much now, but tapes, reels, uh, the components of a reel-to-reel, -reel, a cassette tape, goes back to the truth that the rock, the stone, was the cause of what we enjoy today as a tape, a reel, and so on and so forth. Speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, in reference to the Jews, and it shall bring forth his water, number one, out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord, as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Here now ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. The waters came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and the beasts also. He was told to speak to the rock in verse 8, but due to the rebels in verse 10, a pitch of the church today in a very backslidden, a very apostate and wicked state, Moses as a righteous man lost his temper, and many times I lose my temper on the streets, I shouldn't but I do, and uh, I think Patrick's better than I am on that side of the uh, street work, but here this has got a serious consequence, serious outcome due to Moses losing his temper. It goes back to Adam. He listens to his wife back in Eden. He was told not to, and he listens to his wife. She falls, he falls. They both die. There's no second chance, but the Lord steps in and kills a lamb. And of course, the lamb is a picture of Christ, and they put on the lamb's covering, a picture of our imputation. But they fell. There was no second chance. They fell. They lost their innocent sea. And here, verse 12 really sums the whole thing up. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is another clear picture of the outcome of being disobedient. Which elsewhere is referred to as being the sin of witchcraft. If you love me, keep my commandments. And what should have been a very simple situation to go in and uh, speak to the rock. Because of course the rock is a type of Christ. Moses overreacts as many times we all do. But this has a lot, this has a much deeper significance, those of us which are ex-Catholics. Go to Romans chapter 6, please. Scripture with scripture. Romans chapter 6. And I want also one from Hebrews. I think it's Hebrews 10. We'll go to Romans 6 first. Romans chapter 6, please. Romans chapter and uh, pick it up in uh, let's see now pick it up in verse 8 now if we be dead with Christ we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more 
death hath no more dominion over him for in that he died he died unto sin once but in that he liveth he liveth unto God Hebrews chapter 10 I'm going to pull all these verses together Hebrews chapter 10 now the Catholic Church they have what's called the sacrifice of the mass and every Sunday around this time incidentally priests all over the world will be holding up the wafer the chalice and as an altar boy of many years I would ring the bell when the priest would hold up the chalice if I make it Hebrews 10 and uh, the wine becomes blood they believe and the wafer becomes the body of Christ they believe there's so many problems with that it's just too many to, it's, there's, just, there's just too many to list basically what really annoys me and I'll get back to this very quickly is I've noticed over the last couple of months that some of the most educated and experienced apologists online who do a great job exposing Islam and God bless all those men and women some of them have got a major weakness in their theology and we discussed this yesterday Patrick and I a good number of these people have this bizarre belief that the Catholic Church is legitimate number one and the councils going back to Nicaea were all legitimate and on top of that is how the church or the ecumenical movement should be embraced and I just scratch my head sometimes when I listen to these Protestants who have never been Catholic like Patrick and I once were don't we understand the Catholic Church or its catechism its system of, of, of belief basically and I watch these people who aren't King James which is another clue I should say obviously um, but they'll on the one hand denounce Islam expose Muhammad uh, hold up Jesus Christ amen and I thank them I thank and commend them for that but then turn around and commend and uh, congratulate if you will the church have they wish to define it and the councils have they wish to define them without realizing that those councils for years condemned bible believing christians and so too did the catholic church and i wonder sometimes are these people uh not only pseudo catholics but are they jesuit infiltrators i wonder sometimes what was that fifth column. the fifth column yeah. yeah hebrews 10 now i want to keep this short another study could be could be commenced on this particular subject i know but i want to stay on track uh, hebrews 10 uh and look at verse 10 by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of jesus christ once for all did you get that my dear catholic friends once for all i'll give you one more in case you didn't get it 12 but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever out goes your mass sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool found also in Psalm 110 go back to Psalm 114 so just a quick uh, thing to put down on tape while it's on my mind and it does annoy me when I try to reach out to these Protestants online most at Speaker's Corner I might add and elsewhere but they're doing a major disservice to the true church by holding up the Catholic Church or the ecumenical movement as a great thing of God it's an abomination you're told to come out and be a separate saith the Lord Psalm 114 go back to verse 7 please tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord part took place back in the book of Exodus I've just shown it to you from chapter 19 but at the second advent Christ comes back he splits the Mount of Olives and you've got earthquakes leading up to his return found very clearly in the book of Revelation in fact by the time he gets back at the end of the tribulation 
I think barely a, th a third of the earth have survived. Most of the Jews will take the mark of the beast, follow the Antichrist, go into hell forever. Only a tiny minority will not and going to be saved. And this goes back also to the reality that uh, many are called, but few are chosen. Of course, that's in reference to service, but also in partly, but also partly in reference to one's salvation. Not chosen for salvation, but many are called, like repent, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but only a few respond and therefore are saved. And I speak after 20 years of doing street work all over this country. At the presence of the God of Jacob, this is a Jewish book, like I say, was turned the rock into a standing water, and he did. The flint, going back to a stone, a rock, which historically would produce cassette tapes, which we got, which we got our recordings from, reel to reel, going back to the 1960s. The flint into a fountain of waters. So just a very brief psalm this morning, looking at Israel's glorious past. And uh, it's always quite sad when you go down memory lane. You shouldn't really do so. But many times we do. We look back to the good old days, which Solomon says is all vanity. There's no such thing as a good old day. In fact, I think up until 1920, life was very difficult for 90% of the world. The average lifespan of a man was about, I think, 44, 45. He was dead by 50, generally speaking. Most women died in childbirth. Uh, life was really difficult up until probably the era of the 1940s onwards and now people don't really see death or suffering if you go into hospital most people are drugged up to the eyeballs with medication painkillers drifting in and out of consciousness but for a good period of time people saw death and they were scared of death there's a great story when uh, Ian Paisley's father was preaching in Dublin in the 1920s 1930s and his son told the story of, of grown men crying in ditches outside the suburbs of Dublin. My family's from Black Rock in Southern Ireland. Mm -hmm. And I can just imagine those pictures back in the 1920s and 30s of grown Irishmen. I mean, real men like blacksmith and uh, uh, dockers and fishermen and uh, people that worked in your shoes. What do they call those? Uh, cobblers. cobblers. Mm -hmm. Real tradesmen, you know, hearing the gospel and just being knocked sideways. In fact, there's a great clip on YouTube of Ian Paisley about 20 years ago preaching on the streets. When he was in government, he was first minister. I've got problems with his theology. He was a Calvinist. He baptised babies. But what a great street preacher. He's got four special branches standing around him. And he's preaching to people in Belfast. Amen, amen, amen. But like I say, we've lost that. Most people don't see death anymore. Most people aren't really bothered of dying until they get sick. They start to panic. And you old Catholics, you start calling for the priest, don't you? And you old Anglicans, you start calling for your vicar, don't you? And you old Jews, you call for the rabbis, don't you? And you old Muslims, you call for the imams, or imams, imams, uh, don't you? To come and reassure you. But for us, we call on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our high priest. So we'll close it there. Like I said, just a very short reading this morning. Going through Israel's glorious history. And pray for the Jews. They are still beloved for the Lord's sake. He wouldn't destroy them due to David's covenant. But he would whip them. And he would destroy them. And many died due to their sins throughout the Old Testament and of course from 30 to 70 AD he gave the Jews a 40 year period of grace before the temple went down of course you know the rest they were dispersed travel the world and that expression the wandering Jew really did become a reality and that's why the Jews to this day have no idea which tribe they are from and uh, if, you're able to win, if you're able to win a Jew to Jesus God bless you indeed what a great 
uh, thing that should be. And like I said at the beginning of this message, there are two groups in, in there are two groups in Israel this morning, this afternoon, this evening. Uh, one group from the US, one group from the UK. I don't know these groups, incidentally. They may be charismatic or Pentecostal. I don't know. But I watched a live stream last night outside the uh, the walls of Jerusalem, uh, Herod's Temple, of course, and they had a lot of onslaught. These people, hostility—you wouldn't believe it—but they stood their ground. Brothers from the U.S. and God bless you, and sisters from the U.K. and God bless you, and others were coming out to stand with this group. It started with about four or five Christians. It became about twenty-five. Very powerful to watch. I must admit, at five thirty this morning <laughs> when I woke up. But so uh, we're praying for Israel. We're praying for Jerusalem for her peace but praying for jesus to come back and save the jews from their sins because without him we're all sunk and that's why i've said many times over the years don't just be kind and gentle to the jews pray for them witness to them and share the gospel with them they need jesus christ just as much as we do there's no ticket to heaven for them without the lord jesus christ unless you're born again you will perish and that's what we say to the jews and gentiles repent and uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll close it there and come next week, Lord, when I look at Psalm 115. Amen and amen.